Nine Podcasts. I'm Elise. And I'm Tom. As Oscar Wilde once said, Ultimately, the bond of all companionship, whether in marriage or in friendship, is conversation. Welcome to our husband-wife podcast, The Elliot Exchange. What could possibly go wrong? Find out with us by tapping the follow or subscribe button on The Elliot Exchange, wherever you get your podcast. Hi there, Tom. Hello, Elise. And we have a very uh, interesting and uh, email that's of the moment from a listener called Joe. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder, you can email us any issue, anytime, elliotexchange at nine.com.au. Joe says, Elise, this one's for you. Now that Carlton has started winning, what has Tom been like? Is this the first time in your relationship you've had to deal with it? You've become very bearable with mm. Carlton winning. You come in the door, effervescent, full of spirit, yeah, punching the air. the club song. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's great. It's actually been very, very good yes. for our marriage. So I can really say that if you, if, you, if you need a little hand in the marital situation, stick with a guy whose team's winning. Now, that can be a bit nebulous, of course, a little bit tricky. Um, just on that point, you wore a Hawaii, an Hawaiian shirt with your Carlton vest over it to Jump the match. Up. Well, but with sleeveless. Yes. Over the Hawaiian shirt. Mm-hmm. Did you get any comments on that? Yeah, a lot of people uh, complimented me. This is at the game on my mm, fashion mm. bravery. So mm. uh, <laughs> just to paint a little picture, so I'm wearing a runners, uh, shorts. Uh, it's the middle of winter, I might add. Yeah. Um, uh, quite a vivid Hawaiian shirt in the sort of pink and purple and blue sort of colour way. So, so far your default daily yes. wardrobe. But then, because I was going to the game, yeah, yeah. Um, I've worn a, a Carlton sleeveless jumper over the top of that. Yeah, great. And then- a hoodie over the top of that. And um, I think it looked quite smart. So you really nailed layering. Yeah. But back to your team winning, it, it is very exciting, isn't it? It, re- it releases all those good feel hormones when your team wins. Oh, it does. Like on Sunday, we were behind at half time and, you know, we're playing a team, that the, 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 the St Kilda Football Club, which has had the wood on us for a few years now. We've tended to lose to them. Mm-hmm. And at half time, we're down by 22 points. I'm thinking, oh, you know, because you're, you're sitting with all other Carlton supporters. Everybody's mood is sort of the same. And, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they came out after half time and just, just exploded and, you know, destroyed St Kilda. We all sang the song at the end. And, and I might say to our interstate and overseas listeners, so one of the great things about Australian rules football is, A, it is very tribal because half the teams are all just the inner suburbs of Melbourne. Mm, mm. And secondly, all clubs have a song. And when you win, you you, you sing your club's song and yeah. you're singing it with all these other people. It is it's fantastic. very, very rousing. Yes. I may have even sung the first stanza. Good. Mm. Mm. Just sort of out of empathy. Again, uh, to people who don't know, Elise doesn't actually barrack for mm, my team, which mm. is a, a bit of an issue in our relationship. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Joe, uh, for the time being, we've had seven wins on the trot. It's all good. And been good for our marriage. However, Tom, you have been unfaithful. I have. You are seeing two people at once. Yes, so um, it's not quite what you're all thinking, but anyway. Um, so, so several months ago, I developed a shoulder injury. Oh my god! And it was, Everyone in this city knows about it. It was awful. I couldn't sleep at night. Oh, I know you shared that with me. Yeah. The wakeness. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
Like I'd roll over in the night and, I, you know, it would wake me up. Anyway, yeah. so I thought I'd, I'd better I've go. I've had to banish you, haven't yeah. I? I've banished you briefly yeah. to the spare room with that. So, it's so I th- you said, well, I better go and see a physio. So I saw this one I've seen for a while and he's, <laughs> anyway, he, he um, you know, he's been giving me all these exercises and things yeah. to do, none of which has made a great deal of difference. But anyway, um, and then and then more recently I hurt my back. And so we've I, all heard about that too, yeah, which has yeah. made you doubly painful. Yes. And for some reason, you booked me in to see a different physio. Yeah, yeah. So both of the, I feel a bit, um, well, I feel unfaithful. And what's interesting, <laughs> both of these physios, I think one is an osteo, and you know, I, I don't know about you, but I can't tell the difference between an osteopath mm. and a physiotherapist. Yeah. But anyway, they both have the same mannerism. They both um, ask me how I'm going. Yeah. And they say, is there anything else you would like to tell me? I'm like, what, do I have a guilty look on my face? So, so let me get this straight. You are seeing two physios yes, for, for two, two separate yeah, ailments. But I haven't told each of them that I have the other ailments. So the shoulder physio, you haven't told about your back ailment. Yeah, and the back physio. And your back physio doesn't know about your shoulder. But, now, why is that, Tom? Why are you being unfaithful? Well, well, it's actually your fault because you booked <laughs> me into a different physio. And you could, so, and you and could I, streamline them. Well, I could. Or, is it, is it, or could I introduce them to each other and say, <laughs> why don't we take turns? That works really well in real yeah. life as well, I've found. Um, I, I I don't understand, though. Is it? Are you embarrassed to admit that your body is falling apart? No, 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 no. That's, sure that's, that? that's evident. No, no. I'm, I'm simply embarrassed to admit to one physio that there's someone else in the relationship. Yeah. Look, the, the reason I'm not going to chastise you for being unfaithful and seeing two people um, at once is because it, I, I've had this problem with hairdressers as well and it, it's terrible. If you go to one hairdresser, you really, really can't go to another. And if you do, they kind of know. Like oh, with a physio, it's a bit more amorphous. It's like, yeah, you could sort of lie that, oh, that still hurts. But with a haircut, uh, no. So you can't you can't really lie about that. And that you've really got to stick to one professional. I'd, even, I'd extend this to dentists. I'd almost even extend it to baristas. Oh, you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Well, wait a minute. I mean, it's like if you, you're in a place and you want a coffee <sighs> and the, the other barista is 10 kilometres away. Yeah, but then, no, but if it's in the same hood and they see you with the, yeah, the you know, the, the cup from the other place, although you should be taking your Yeah. I, I did I did years but... ago. I did I did change. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. Um, I, 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 I changed dentists, again, at your urging. And it was so sad. The old dentist kept contacting me, ringing me up. Oh, oh I'm very worried. You're um, getting cavities. I haven't seen you for a while. What's yeah, going it's on? It's the same thing, isn't it? And, and I ghosted him. You know, like I, just, I didn't respond. Oh, that's not good. That's terrible. You should. So I, I think, Tom, you need to break up with one of your physio paramours. And I think you just need to be a man, an old man, and accept that you have a lot of ailments and just streamline the healing process because you <laughs> double the cost, double the visits. What for pride? For some sense of being noble? No, I just I said it was just, and, and they both look at me and they say, "Is there anything else you'd like to tell me?" <laughs> and I'm like, "You can see this in my face." Do you can't reckon you? they can read it though? Oh, Do you think can. the shoulder physio knows yep. you've got a back problem, yep. and the back physio knows they you've know. got a shoulder? Because you sort of come in a bit crooked, yep. and they know, they know, and they might press your back, and you go. Anyway, I'm going to have one of those days soon where I just do the great dumping of one of them. Or just ghosting, which or, or is your ghost. specialty, yep. which is really manly. <laughs> <laughs> About as manly as seeing two people at once. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. Tom, I want to chat about school camps. And the reason is 
Amid heatwave conditions and very high humidity, uh, UK and US participants at the World Scout Jamboree in South Korea are leaving the campsite, citing terrible conditions, conditions that the, the children can't can't survive in. The Australians seem to be toughing it out, which is interesting, but it got me thinking about kids' camps. Were they tougher in our day? Are we too soft on kids today with their, their camp visits? Oh, there's no doubt we are. So our, our daughter recently completed a camp in mm. north uh, western Victoria. That's right. And the reason I can compare the two is I did the same camp in 1980. Two, I think. And let me guess, in your day it was tough. It was. Oh, so, wow. well, I'll tell you what. So our daughter and a group of 15 kids went out with a staff member and camped in a different place each night. Yep. But they always had an adult with them. Mm-hmm. At the same camp, at the same age, 40-something years ago, we were sent out in groups of six for three days by ourselves. Are you sure? Absolutely. It, it was like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> oh, uh, no. a, a number of boys did not return. <laughs> Um, having terrible. mucked up the conch and all that sort of thing, and, and so we and, and we were just sitting out into the into the wild bush with mm. some things to do. But if you're bitten by a snake, do this, and if you can't find any water, do this. And and what did you have? Let me guess, just a compass and a pair of jocks. That's pretty much what we had, yeah. and, and we carried all of our own food, mm. and and we survived. But they wouldn't do that now. I said to the teachers, "Would you let you know these fourteen year olds go out by themselves for three days?" Oh no, we couldn't possibly. Oh, duty of care. You know, yeah, the poor darlings might lot, be eaten. So, so there's no doubt. I mean, they're, they're, they're soft as butter these days. <laughs> it's a shame, really, because those survival skills are important. I mean, say you do happen to get lost in the bush, mm. you're not going to have an adult, inverted commas, with you, you know? No, that's right. And look, who knows what might happen? I mean, Australia could be invaded. Um, people might have to take to the hills and live off the lands and all that sort of thing. Right. And, and you've got to have young people ready to go. Now, Richard, our producer, has asked the question, if I gave you some brand new camping gear, would you survive? Would you know how to pitch a tent? Oh, easily. Boil a billy. All, all I need. Spear a bit of wildlife. Yep. All, I, all I need is a knife, a tarpaulin, such a lie. and a box of matches. <laughs> That's such I could, a I, lie. I could, I could, I could make a spear. I could light a fire. Yeah. I could build a shelter, slaughter I've, an animal. I've, I've often sort of imagined, would I go on Survivor? With you, and I've thought, no, I just don't think it's your strong point, darling. You've got a lot. You have got a lot. No, of you would, you would be so surprised. I I, just... I'd be like, like in the second Rambo movie where yeah, he's but... hunt, he's hunting the Russians, <laughs> right? And 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 he sort of inserts himself into uh, like a wall of mud, and suddenly opens his eyes. All you can see is Rambo's eyes, and he sort of leaps out of the mud and and and, and garrots one of the Russians. I've been telling you the law, not here, it's me. Don't push it, I'll give you a war you won't believe. So you're going to That's do me. that? Yeah. With a Russian or some Australian well, wildlife? Well, whoever, whoever is up against me will, will get it. So, so fanciful. So I know you talk about how tough it was in your day. I just don't think you'd survive in the bush, honestly. I really, really don't. No, no, I'm good. I mean, I, I could encounter uh, a, dro- a drop bear, which is a large carnivorous koala. Right. Uh, we were taught to fight them off. Uh, the bunyip, of course. Some people say it's mythical. I, I, I would argue otherwise. In a billabong. Yeah. Mm. It's all done. It, it's Walk done. in, wash in a billabong. Yes. Or, fight or, off crocs. Or, 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 or not wash at all. Oh, okay. That's a nice. Yeah, it'd be like Crocodile oh. Dundee. Like you might make the mistake, like the American mm. did in that, of filling up your canteen at, at a water hole and mm. suddenly – a saltwater crocodile right. leap. Actually, now that I think about it, it's in fresh water, yet it was yeah, a saltwater yeah, crocodile, yeah. which <laughs> doesn't work. But anyway, that's Hollywood for you. Leaps out 
and, mm. and bites your canteen. And mm. I leap out of a tree right. and, and stab it in the top of the head. It's dead. Well, if it isn't, I'm going to have a hell of a job skinning the Just so I can really get the picture, what are you wearing at this point? Well, you know, a hat and a pair of shorts and that's about it. Yeah, great. Mm. Anyway, so very, at least. Very fetching. I mean, we don't go camping, but if we have to, I'm up for it. age can you put children into the workforce, just asking for a friend? Oh, well, I mean, you know, boys used to be sent up to clean chimneys at age mm. nine and uh, girls would be uh, put out for uh, to work in, in kitchens and so forth. Right, at around like about... in Dickensian London, yes. Tom. Right. I'm talking about today. Oh, today. Oh, well. Um, 13, 14? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, when did you get forced out into the workforce? Um, I think... It must. I must have been 13. 13! 13! <laughs> because I remember selling papers the day that Peter Sellers died. And I'm pretty sure he died in 1980 or 1981. Yeah. Anyway, and that was. I sold more papers that day than any other day. And you, 20 cents you sold them for. Well, they, they, this is the great thing. So it, it was a, a, type, a way of selling papers that doesn't exist. We would wait for all the cars to come to a halt at this big traffic intersection yeah, in Melbourne's yeah. east. And then you would queue up and walk between the cars while the light was red yeah. and attempt to sell um, – it was an old afternoon paper that doesn't exist anymore. And the great thing was the paper was 15 cents back then and everybody would give you 20 and say keep the change. So you actually made quite a lot of money out of tips. problem is then they put the price of the paper up to 20 oh. and unlike in America where they have quarters, of course, yeah. we have a 20 cent piece. Yeah, yeah. So your tips went from a lot – when I say a lot, like $2 a week yeah. – um, to nothing, just like that. And I, I got hit by cars three times in my first year. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. I, um, I've had some crap part-time jobs. I had one where I was in a cloakroom in mm. uh, Austria and working in a, in a sort of ski field. And similarly, I, I was allowed to keep the tips and I couldn't speak any German. And the only thing I could say is, neun shillings bitte, which is nine shillings, thanks. And that's all I could say. And then people would pay me maybe ten. You know, and you get that little tip. Um, and those tips are important at the time, but that that was a pretty stultifying mm. kind of job. Actually, I must say, I, uh, this English guy I met once reckons he toured around Germany and Austria and he only used German from reading war comics. Right. And, and he, you know, he said he was in a crowded train once and, and, you know, everybody was standing up in the aisle and just to clear the aisle, he just looked out the window and said, Achtung, Spitfire! And, and, <laughs> and left on the floor. And, you know, he could say Handehock, which means hands up, and Achtung, which means attention, and Schnell, which means quickly. And yeah. he said that was fine. That was all he yeah. needed to know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I loved being a checkout chick. At the local supermarket. Yeah, and it was called Harry Heath's in downtown Baldwin. And this is before uh, swiping was in. So you had to put in the code. Yep. I mean, I, you had to know the code you know, of all the fruit and veg, of all the different things, which is interesting. That that was um, you chat to a lot of people. We had a really revolting uniform. Yeah, it was brown, wasn't it? No, actually, I had electric blue. But oh. It zipped the whole way up. Yeah, and very it was a exciting. bit short. Yeah, it was very exciting. And we had to. This is how old I am. You had to like clock on and off with your. That's your, right. Your time. Ka-chunk. Ka-chunk. And if you, if you, so you couldn't lie. You, you couldn't go. You couldn't rock up late and go. Oh no. yeah, I've been here for two hours. Nope. And if you were seen clocking off for someone else. That was like instant <gasps> dismissal. Totally. Would anyone do that? I, I, I had a, oh well, not goodness. a similar job, yeah. but we had to clock on and off and I was yeah. stacking bricks. I'm sure mm. it's a job a bit like being a checkout chick, which is now done yeah. by a machine. Mm. So the bricks would come out of a kiln in a loose stack and then you'd have to restack them into the tightest sort of pallet that would go to a building site. 
oh, the bricks were hot and, you know, you were just, you know, you're just yeah. a human machine. And anyway, after a couple of weeks of it, they said to me, oh, would you like to be the leading hand? And I said, what's that? They said, oh, well, you get to wear the tool belt. That's exciting. And, and you get to operate the strapping <gasps> machine. It sounds yeah. a little bit bondage. And I said, what, what, why did you pick me? They said, oh, well, you speak English. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. And what did this job entail? Being the well, you, you when the hand. when the bricks had been stacked, yeah. you got to operate a machine that would, would wrap a sort of this tape around the bricks <laughs> so they wouldn't fall off the is, back of a truck. Is this the same job where you operated a crane? Briefly? No, no. That in fact, now, that this was, is my favourite, yeah. favourite part. So of no, not 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 so much a crane as um as a forklift. forklift. And I was eighteen, and they said to me, <laughs> "Can you drive a forklift?" I just said, "Yes." Of course, I lied. <laughs> And I assumed that all the controls would have you know, mm. little, like at least a diagram that was you'd think be able to work out what they did. Well, they did have that, but it had all worn off. Yeah, yeah. And so I sort of found out how to go forward, how to turn left, how to turn right, and then I've been told <laughs> to move some boxes. And I thought I was lowering the the, the big prongs, or I think they're called tines, like a fork that stick mm. out. And of course, instead of lowering, they just punch straight ahead into the box. And what was in the box? Well, it was a colour television set. <laughs> it was. It was. Well, a yeah. colour television so I looked around. Oh, maybe no one see me. I, and so I just sort of taped it up and then, and then I actually got the forklift stuck in the corner of the room. I just couldn't get it out. So it was easier just to walk away and say, oh, it's run out of fuel or something. And this, this job's not for me. This no. job's not for me. And how, the other thing is how much we were paid. I think my worst paid job was being a ski instructor. And it was 12 bucks an hour. And I remember people would turn up with their skis on backwards, like yeah. the pointy one bits which, at the Which end. takes some doing. Yeah, and I'd have to put them on the right way. And my, my, my joy was seeing people do a little turn at the end of the day. You know, great joy. But all my friends are off skiing in the, the sunshine and I'm just like teaching little people to ski. Not paid a lot. Taught no. me a lot about patience. $12 an hour. Yeah. So, look, I think part-time jobs are great for kids. I think they teach you humility. They teach you uh, about saving money. Yes. They teach you how to operate things like forklifts. Heavy machinery. Heavy machinery, which is really handy. I, I, I had a job that taught me about how uncertain life can be. So mm. it was 1987 yeah. and I was at university and I was, I was I had got a job like Fridays. I had Fridays off in a stockbroking yeah. firm. I thought, oh, this is very exciting. It's like it's Wall Street. You know, I put on a tie. Anyway, the 87 stock market crash came. And, yeah, like no one knew what was going on and I was down on the trading floor. This is pretty interesting. Anyway, a few days later I noticed, or a few weeks later it would have been, that they started, people started disappearing from the office and essentially they were being sacked. (gasps) And I said to my supervisor, I said, oh, am I going to be sacked? And he he looked at me and he said, look, to be honest, we don't really pay you enough for it to make any difference. (laughs) So so you're probably safe. But everybody else here, they'll all be gone. And they were. A bit like accepting shortcomings with you in the, the forklift. I was the world's worst waitress. Can you remember n- number nine Darling Street? Is yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a function centre. My parents had their wedding reception there. Yes. I, I was hired to be a waitress there. And they never had your name for a name tag, so I was always someone else, Jane, whatever, Kate. Um, and I would drop stuff, spilt stuff, knocked over stuff. I broke so much crockery, honestly. I, I'm a shocking waitress. I really am really bad. So you sort of learn your shortcomings as well. That's right. You've got to realise that just some jobs are simply not for you. Correct. Okay, Elise, uh, what have you learned today? That you are seeing two 
physios at the same time and you're not going to come clean about it. And secondly, I'm never, ever letting you operate my forklift. Yeah, that, that was my first and only time operating a forklift. And yeah. I, I guess what I've learned today is, is uh, that you, you, you are quite clumsy at times. <laughs> Very unclumsy at some things. Yeah. Like skiing. Mm. But when it comes to knives and cups and Shopping. plates and things Shopping. like that, might as well just take a hammer to them and smash and I, them. And I haven't grown out. Have you noticed I haven't grown out of it? No. Yeah, we've, only I mean, got, yes. we've only got one mug. I know. <laughs> one out of a set of, well, I actually remember buying 12 thinking it'll be 10 pretty quickly. Yes. One it's a bit like someone once told me when you get a brand new car, yeah, yeah, you should just go out and scratch it yourself because I'll just get it over and done with. Yeah, <laughs> so bad. You can join us on Spotify, Instagram, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review it, share it with your family and friends. I actually ran into this gorgeous woman uh, in downtown Fitzroy, and she was listening to our podcast when I ran into her. So wow. Hello. And, of course, if the, if, if the urge overcomes you or there's there's an issue you need explained or just yeah. something about life you, you, you want some feedback on. And we won't solve it. We'll we won't it. solve it. But send it to elliotexchange at nine.com.au.